0: guys welcome back to another edition of the core four podcast we are back somewhat better than ever uh we're about to be back weekly because the season's starting it's a super exciting time to be a grizzlies fan because of all this just great energetic young talent and with that energy too gb's excited to announce that we are adding another podcast to the podcast network the 3 d podcast hosted by Sean Coleman and Justin Lewis. You can find that, the Core 4, and GBB Live on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, or wherever you find your podcast. And Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find them on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at and Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me today is the producer... Of the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show, Mr. Connor Dunning. What's up, Connor?
1: What's up, man? NBA's almost back. I can feel life coming in my body a little bit more than it used to. Don't have to just watch baseball all the time now In football. We get, we get the best sport back, man. It's almost here. It is almost here, and... Everyone's favorite
0: day was on Monday, Media Day. Yeah. It's always the, the great old timer. Somebody's like, man, I've lost 20 pounds. I've gained 15 pounds of muscle. We're going to play faster. We're going to make the playoffs. I've been shooting more threes. It's all these quotes where you're just like, okay, is this real? It's not. But there's a lot to like about the Grizzlies Media Day.
1: Yeah. It was, it's certainly the most positive of the past three years. Um, I unfortunately could not go, but you were able to go, and I just want to ask you how, how was the vibe around it? Because I'm gonna be honest, the last two seasons have been somewhat awkward in ways. Not and, and awkward maybe a bad word to use, but it's been it's just been a downer kind of because it's been a lot of guys talking to the media that you just kind of know we're gonna get cut. Uh, I was next to a player when he did get cut one time, which was super awkward. And the team just didn't really have a bright future ahead. So now seeing Ja, Jaron, Brandon Clark, and all those guys at Media Day is encouraging. There were so many encouraging things. It was like a new chapter opened up for the Grizzlies yesterday.
0: Absolutely. And so with that vibe, see, I've never got to experience much of what you had to deal with as far as Media Day, just because you've been the past two years. And I went – so 2016, it was that kind of same energy and optimism because of like Fizdale, Chandler Parsons, Wade Baldwin, all that. And then 2017 was kind of a weird year because that was around the Kaepernick time, so everybody was really talking – almost that dominated media day. Right. And so like that was just kind of weird in my opinion. I mean, I respect it, but also like trying to hear more about the basketball stuff.
1: Right. And, yeah, it's like – and the players don't want to get asked about that either. They don't. They want right. to talk about basketball. They want to talk about their goals and how to improve and what they think the team can be. It's it's. There's mm-hmm. no reason to bring to bring that but, in. And you can have whatever opinion you have on that.
0: But, but uh, Fizdale, Fizdale Fiz ate it all up. So yeah, 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 Fiz did. But then yesterday it was just a different kind of energy because for one, everybody was new except for like Jaron, Dylan, Ivan, right, pretty much, and then and then Kyle Anderson as well. But it was also like one of those things where for the first time, not even just like this energy from the players, just excitement of playing with each other, but also just there was some sharpness and brilliance behind Zach Kleiman and Taylor Jenkins that, let's be quite honest, we never really got that with uh, Chris Wallace, no. J.B. Bickerstaff.
1: No, I think the vibe of Kleiman and Taylor Jenkins was almost polar opposite that of Chris Wallace and J.B. Bickerstaff and/or Fizdale, because they had this. This organization now clearly has a plan from top to bottom of what they want to do. They are all on the same page. There is no misinformation. I can actually trust what Kleiman said to us yesterday. I can trust what Jenkins said and what some of the players said. It always felt like there was a. Kind of hidden information that we didn't know about, or that Wallace was on a different page than Para, or or JB was on a different page than Wallace. And, and it was, it felt like chaos. Usually, this team now feels like one team, one goal, and that goal is it's very simple. And they said it multiple times yesterday. It is to improve and to build a winning culture for this organization. It is not to tank, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Hearing that they do not want to tank. May, it's one of my favorite things from yesterday, if not my favorite, because they understand that this team is not going to be good at the beginning of the season. They're probably not going to be great at the end of the season either. They'll win 30, 35 games, 35 at most probably, probably closer to, to 30 than anything. Mm-hmm. But the team understands and the organization understands that that they're going to have to make mistakes, that they're young, that we have to let them make mistakes. Right. And that's great because young players can only learn from making mistakes. They're not, they don't have to play with the fear of getting benched. They don't have to play with the fear of, oh, if I'm actually having a good game tonight, they're going to take me out because we need to lose this game. That is not a mindset you want to put into a player. Just look at the Phoenix Suns. Just look, look what's happened to them. Look what's happened with Devin Booker. I mean, we don't want that to be John Morant. So knowing that they want to go into this thing winning and to improve and to develop these guys is—it's so encouraging. It really is.
0: Mm-hmm. And one thing I did find super encouraging, along with that, is just like the difference in approach with both Kleiman and Wall between Kleiman and Wallace. Like, I don't mean to like take shots at Chris Wallace, but. He was kind of you know, defensive a lot of times when answering questions, and sometimes it even seemed like he was just fighting for his job because he was in that first rebuild. He saw how many empty seats there were in the FedEx form, and he didn't want to deal with that again, and so he was always just focused on the short term, and then Kleiman was just very – he was preaching about the long term goals for the grizzlies and how he wants to build a sustainable product where the goal for the season is to improve are they better in april than they were at training camp and then also the real thing that i loved hearing was the whole of course they're gonna ask about the convey thing right and Kleiman said that's not a concern right now right because it shouldn't be really it's a humble brag saying "I've, i've built the assets i don't need to worry about it but it's also one of those things too where like remember last year wallace Said like, oh, I'm not really too worried about it. The top of the draft's not really there. It's he said it's kind of a weak draft class, which we know is, in, is fr- in front of the entire media. Right. And I'm like, you realize how much that's gonna bite you in the ass if you keep your pick, especially at like eight.
1: Right. That's that's why it it genuinely felt like Wallace had no idea what direction the organization wanted to go. Right. Climan is like, here's our plan. Yep. It we I see a plan. I see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's. The difference between Kleiman and Chris Wallace at media day, it is it is night and day. It right. really is. And also, it's one of those things, too, this, I'm just hopping back on the conveying
0: the pick argument because I did write about it a few weeks ago on on uh, Grizzly Bear Blues. And I didn't get to mention this point, but, like, Brandon Clark is probably a guy that you would have picked with that ape spot. Right. And then John Morant is probably the guy you would have picked if it was an unprotected pick in 2021. Mm-hmm. So the... Losing that pick is not that big of a deal because, I mean, you have the Utah pick and you have the Golden State pick. They have five additional second-round picks as well. I mean, they they just did a really good job of accumulating assets this summer. And another thing I want to jump into as well that's always just been a sharp difference from past years and this year is Jenkins is really preaching pace and space. Like, he says he wants to... Let he wants to let that shit fly, right? And he wants to shoot a bunch of threes. And I, I, feel like that was the one thing that all these coaches these past few years started to do. You know, JB Bickerstaff, Dave Fizdale, and Dave Yeager is they wanted to have that same pace and space, shoot, shoot threes, stuff like that. But because they had like Mike and Mark, right, and Zach and Tony, they're like, nah, this worked. We should do this. And they ended up getting bullied into going back into that ground and pound style. Granted. It helped great. A awesome playoff run, but at the end of the day, no rings. Right. And so I'm really glad that Jenkins is just full throttle, like, we are going to run.
1: Yeah. I think Jenkins does have the added advantage that Fizdale, Jaeger, and J B didn't have in that he has no expectations for playoffs. And that can be freeing for a team, especially a young team that knows that they are going to be allowed to make mistakes. He said he specifically wants Jaw to play fast and aggressive, which is fantastic to hear because Ja needs to be aggressive. He's got to kind of figure out what he can do on a basketball court. And because the game's going to be fast for him. We all need to be prepared for Jaw to turn the ball over a good bit at the beginning of the year and maybe even struggle at the beginning of the year. But... Success for Ja this season is not going to be stats. It will be development, improvement, mm-hmm. IQ, how he affects the teammates around him, and just overall growing as a basketball player. Um, having the organization from Para all the way down to the the 15th guy on the bench. The two-way guys. Yeah, the two-way guys. All of them knowing that the goal of this season is to fail with improvement, if that makes any sense, is is... It's got to be freeing for these guys because they don't need to, they don't have to fear it. They don't have to fear getting cut for missing a couple of threes. They don't have to fear getting benched for 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 turning the ball over. The, Jenkins doesn't need to fear, "Oh, I have to stick to grit and grind what's always worked. This this is the only thing that can work because he doesn't have the expectation of his playoffs. It's kind of like, let's see what happens. This this year is pretty much like let's roll the ball out and let's see what happens trying to do something different. And if mm-hmm. it hits, it's going to hit in a big way. If it doesn't hit, we'll adjust it and we'll try again next year. I'm not expecting playoffs from this team for 2 or 3 years, and I'm oddly excited to see that growth. I'm excited to see what this team can become. I mean, it's just different.
0: It's just something different that we
1: haven't seen in these past few years. We've never seen a fast team throwing lobs together that shoot threes. We've we've gotten I guess a I guess you can say it's close but not really the closest we ever got was I guess the the like Lob City G and G morphing thing that they had for about half a season before everybody got hurt. But we've mm-hmm. never genuinely seen a Grizzlies team since the G and G era started play with with pace and space. So it's mm-hmm. gonna be a different look for Grizzlies fans. Absolutely. And the two guys that are really at the forefront of that, obviously Jaron Jackson
0: Jr. and Sean Morant. Right. And one thing that's super important with that is them liking each other and yeah. like playing together. And when Jaren said that is like his brother, that hit. That just really hit different.
1: That's great. It's, it, that's fantastic news because I think Ja and Jaren being so close in age is extremely beneficial for the future of this franchise because they are going to feel like they have each other's backs at all times. Them feeling like brothers already will translate onto the basketball court. Now, it may take some time. They may get frustrated with each other every once in a while, but I think the goal is to with John ja and Jaren, we want to see a Conley Gasol-esque type of relationship. We want to see Ja clearly take the reins on the offensive end and kind of run the ball through Jaren if he needs to. But we also want to see Jaren clearly take the reins on the defensive end and use Ja as his secondary guy when he needs him, kind of like Mark used Mike. If that dynamic can grow between the two of them and they feel like when we walk on a basketball court, as long as I've got you next to me, we're gonna have a shot to win this game, that energy and that confidence will become infectious to the rest of this team, especially a young team like this. If they grow as a young group, which they could possibly do, because we, I mean, Brandon Clark could be a triplet here. Mm-hmm. with with them being brothers. He could be their triplet. And also, it's really nice, too, that the
0: Grizzlies, Grand City Media, they're really advertising, like, Brandon Clark with these guys. Like, yes. It's like Brandon Clark is in this core, too. Right. He's he a, may be older, but he is still a rookie. He's still a rookie. And it's... He's old, but, like, he's 23. Right. Like, that's not... He's younger than I am. He's not a dinosaur. No.
1: And I, I do, in an odd way, I think that his level of maturity, being a rookie... Will also help Ja and Jaron because and they
0: also typically translate faster, anyways. Right. Like I saw a thing earlier today about like fantasy basketball rankings among rookies, and they had Brandon Clark at fourth. Oh, really? So it was Zion, Ja, RJ, Brandon Clark. Wow. Hmm. Wow. I've to so, the it to the group, but...
1: That's a lot of playing time. Um, but, yeah, it's just them building relationship on and off the court, it's vital for this team. It's it's vital for building a winning culture. It's warning. Y'all, y'all could start playing a drinking game now. I think we're going to say build a winning culture about 50 times throughout this podcast, but that is because that is the theme of this season. That is the theme of this franchise now. That is the goal, is to build a winning culture. And the basis of that is the relationships in the locker room and with the front office and with the coaching staff and even the relationship with the city. And everyone is on board. Mm -hmm. That has never happened, really, with the Grizzlies. There has always been some locker room drama. There has always been misinformation from the top down. But this is the first time we are seeing – Across the board, everyone is on the same page. We have a young core, a, a real young core. We've had, quote-unquote, young cores in the past, but all of us really knew. Have we, though? We've like, had we, the, last time we the really pieces have. of... We've had, like, the, the mirage of a young core, if that makes any sense. The li- they have made reaches to be like, this guy is going to be the next grind son. How many times have we heard grind son in a, the past that's a career killer
0: right there right like that one whenever you hear grind son just go ahead and mark it as right hell.
1: but that's that's my point this is the first time that i think that we have a real young core and that the team is focused on that young core like we've had young guys in the past but the team was not focused on their development they yeah. are focused solely on the development of these young guys and the veterans that we have in the locker room are fantastic for this development mm-hmm. um Encouraging words yesterday from all of the vets talking about how they wanted to be here. Mm -hmm. Jay Crowder saying that he told his agent, I want to be here long term is something I was not expecting to hear and is admirable. Knowing that he wants to be part of this rebuild. The vets see something special here. Jonas talked about how he wants to play in Memphis and that he's excited. That's great. It's the veterans. They feel what's coming. They know the potential of these young men and they want to be around to see them grow. Tyus Jones. Chose to come here and be a backup. He knew he was going to be a backup point guard to John Morant coming here. Right. He had to know. That's admirable. Yeah.
0: And so, like, this is, like, a different tangent, like, when you're, like, just bringing up the grind son thing. Right. One thing I really like with this young core – is none of them play, like, any of the core four. None. So there's no expectation, like, this is the next Mike Conley, this is the next Tony out. Al- this is the grind son, this right. is the next Mark Gasol, this is the next Zach Randolph. They could become their own player to where one day down the lo- down the road we can say, oh, that's the next John Morant, that's the next Jaron Jackson Jr., that's the next Brandon Clark, that's the next Dylan Brooks, whatever. Like, we can, ad- like, can kind of just form an idea of, they're their own player, and they're not this iteration of a core four.
1: Right. We don't want them to replicate the style of play or that not the, at, that the honestly, core not four had. All. We do want them to replicate the relationships, the relationships that that yeah. team built and how they were so important to the team and hashtag winning culture. But also the relationships with the city. Um, I don't know if it, if it was just me. It doesn't seem like it was just me. I think that the young guys coming in especially Job being from kind of a smaller town and and especially murray state he understands the blue collar ideal of memphis he understands the struggle he understands how important that relationship is to the city the core four greatly benefited the gng era that was special it, mm-hmm. it it was the relationship that those players had with this city is not normal and i i genuinely think that these young guys coming in could have, they have the possibility, it's certainly the potential to replicate that relationship with the city just with their own different flavor and style of play.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, like, before we take this sad break, I do want to ask you who was your big winner at Media Day? Because mom was biggest Jay, winner? Yeah, mom was Jay Crowder. All the stuff that you echoed about him, like, wanting to be here long term him wanting to be that big brother for the veterans, or for the young guys, excuse me. I'm actually writing about that tomorrow on Grizzly Bear Blues. But also, he just kind of showed you how you should act as a veteran when, when you get traded because we've seen this whole Andre Iguodala stuff has right. kind of been like a – before media day, it was a big cloud over – a big-ish cloud over the franchise. It was a potential big cloud. Yeah, and just seeing – well, for one, the energy of the young guys – the clear vision of climate and Jenkins helps, but like having guys like Jay and Jonas and even like to a lighter extent Solomon Hill and Miles Plumley say like, Yeah, I wanna help these young guys mm-hmm. they're they're showing you what a per what a professional should be like.
1: Yeah, because that, that also gives the confidence to the young guys that when they make mistakes, the veterans are not going to be like, you lost me that game, my chance at the playoffs. Like, the, the veterans know they're not making the playoffs. They know that going into the season. So their goal is to also going to be to develop these young men because they know next season or the season after that, the two young, the two youngest guys on the team, are going to be the most important guys for them moving forward. If they want to make the playoffs in the future, guess who has to lead the charge? Their names are John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., and also maybe Brandon Clark. And maybe Ball. Yes, but my winner of. Uh, <laughs> whoa. Whoa. Well, I have the other pods. About That's that. a different pod. Yeah. Um, but you're a big winner of. My media big day. winner of the media day technically it's Ja, but for all the reasons i think that we've already mentioned just his he his answers were great he talked about how how much he wants to work in that like that i think the person i'm most impressed by was brandon clark Mm -hmm. um his maturity really showed in this in this media day uh pressers and stuff like that because he was really reflecting on kind of every question he was asked and he wanted to give a thoughtful real answer And that's great because a lot of times guys don't take media day seriously or they can kind of blow it off. But he was like, no, I." he really acknowledged how lucky and blessed he is to be where he is. He talked about how... Because, again, another blue-collar guy
0: that grinded his way to where he was. Right. Before he entered... He worked his ass off. Yeah, he worked his ass off. He restructured his shot. Even before going to Gonzaga, he wasn't any sort of prospect at all. No.
1: No. And that's... he just, he kept talking about his draft day and how weird that was for him, but how he feels so lucky to fall where he fell. hmm And he's going to have a chip on his shoulder because of that. And that's great. I mean, look what happened to Draymond Green when he had a chip on his shoulder. Who knows? Brandon Clark in four years might be tweeting out the, the jersey numbers of the guys that were drafted in front of him exactly. similar to Draymond. But he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Jaw's already said he'll, he's always going to have a chip on his shoulder. So if they can go out with that mindset and say, we're going to kick everybody's ass that doubted us, That's awesome, because then we can just look at Jaron and say, man, you may not have a chip. He may may or may not. I haven't heard him say he does, but he's going to back those guys, and he's going to be like, all right, let's prove some people wrong. Because we've seen in sports a huge factor no one talks about is the – it's a Bill Simmons thing, the no-one-believes-in-us factor. It's real, and it's going to be real for these young Grizzlies, and we're going to see them really, really do that. And another thing with Brandon Clark is how much his three-point shooting was a – uh, priority for him. He talked about how all during during like the summer, all that, during Summer League, every workout he did, he was shooting threes. He just talked about how he was trying to shoot threes, and Michael Wallace actually had a great point when he was talking to him on Grind CD Media about his three-point shooting. He said, now, I don't think that you, you've never been able to shoot threes. You just didn't have to. And in the Summer League, we saw him get the opportunities to shoot threes. So, if he can shoot two or three a game, and every once in a while, hit three, two, but consistently hit at least one of them. That opens up the floor for the Grizzlies exponentially. And him going into the season already with the mindset and a goal on how to improve his game is fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always said, like when assessing a player, especially one that doesn't have a quote-unquote reliable jumper, right, is even if you're hitting, if you're shooting 30% from three, if you're shooting three a game. You're liable to hit one, and that alone makes you a threat on the floor, which then opens up the floor a lot right. as well. Another thing I really liked with Brandon Clark, is so he was asked like who he molds his game after, and he said Draymond Green and Sean Marion. Perfect. And those are like – and that's really nice to see that he wants to like – they're both like complimentary guys, probably two of the most elite role players they're the of threes this and century.
1: Fours. They're, they're the elite glue guys of – the NBA's history. They are some of the Mm -hmm. elites
0: there. Yeah. Right. So like having that next to
1: John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Right. That's huge. Massive. Massive. It's because like we said, it the Grizzlies really did do a 180. We went from last April with absolutely no hope. We had Jaron, which was great, but it was like having like, a life jacket in the middle of an ocean and you're screwed because there's no boats coming and sharks are on the way, like, you know, hey, this is great, I have this thing that's gonna keep me afloat for a while, but I'm eventually gonna die and sink. Yeah. And then, a lifeboat showed up in the NBA draft lottery. And then, another lifeboat showed up when Brandon Clark started falling and King Klyman went it, to go get
0: him. He was the captain of the lifeboat. Oh, captain Klyman, man. Ca- captain Climate. King
1: Klyman, Captain Kleiman, all all relatable. Captain on the sea, king on the land wow Wow! make that a t-shirt don't we have like yeah do, do a t-shirt I guess we have a
0: lot of t-shirt <laughs> ideas but anyways let's go to an ad break but we'll be back on the other side and so um I just wanted to like share like some of my other takeaways from media day you know just I mean obviously I didn't have a bad experience at all mm-hmm. I didn't get to go to like the uh the little scrums I guess for like D'Anthony Melton Ivan Rab and Bruno Caboclo But, I mean, the Melton one seemed pretty good based off, like, what I was talking to Anthony Sane and Eric Lentz about that. I didn't go to the two-way guys either just because I'm not not a hustle guy. I'm not Mr. Hustle. But I was really impressed with uh, Solomon Hill and Grayson Allen. Mm -hmm. And so with Grayson Allen, obviously, like, he's probably in my top three or five of my all-time favorite college basketball players. And so I really, like, came in with the mindset, like, hey, I'm going to get a feature – on Grayson Allen that's coming this week on GBB as well and so I got my questions in and I was really kind of worried you know because now that Chandler's gone I was like who's the next target like who's going to be that guy who's going to have a target on his back whenever the media is asking questions and 99% of the time people were going to probably say Grayson Allen right I mean we saw it in the summer I really think he kind of just won over some people within the media because he was open and transparent about his anger issues, how he deals with them, how he's still working on them. And he even acknowledged, like, I'm, you know, I may not be making the right plays, but like, I I know I'm not making the right plays and I'm trying to fix that and really harness that energy to where it's not hurting my team. Right. And I just, I think the fact that someone accepting their flaws, especially one of like, Grayson Allen's pedigree because I mean McDonald's All-American McDonald's All-American Slam dunk champion <laughs> four-year player at Duke first round draft pick like he has a nice pedigree and so like being able and with like sometimes with pedigree comes ego mm-hmm. and he has his self-awareness to be like look I'm trying to fix these issues like just stick with me all that, And I think he just really won over some people in the media with all that just because of also his approach with answering those questions. Because let's be real, it's a hard hitting question when someone's like
1: basically under, underlyingly say, hey, you know, you're super dirty, right? Yeah. Hey, why are you an asshole all the time? Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's a tough question to answer. And it's like self-reflection is, is incredibly important. It shows a level of maturity that I think we've yet to see from Grayson Allen. Um, my... My feelings toward him are similar to my feelings that were toward Chandler Parsons. I have a checkered past with him, I guess. Like, I ha- his, his actions on the court have been frustrating. But at the end of the day, they're not a reason for me to hate him or root against him. Mm-mm. It's only a positive thing for me if he hit. Like, I need him to be a good three-point shooter. I want him to I? be in the rotation. That would be huge for the Grizzlies. It would be. So, I'm going to take the stance of... I'm rooting for this guy until he gives me a real reason not to. And if I see the pattern of behavior not changing, then I can reassess. But at the moment, he's reflecting on it, he apologized for it. He knows he's messing up. So yelling at someone or shaming them for what they already know that they've done wrong when they've admitted that wrong, it's just it's it's non-productive. It's not productive. Yeah. And it's nothing positive is going to come out of it. So I'm going to support him until he gives me a reason not to.
0: Yeah. On another hand though, like I wouldn't mind like getting to embrace a heel, you know. Yeah, Memphis I mean we don't we don't that.
1: want him to get rid of his attitude, but what well, we just we just need him to stop slapping and tripping people. <laughs> That's like, if we're being honest. Like yeah. I want that that confidence in that fu. Like let's fight. I want that. You you want a dog? And it's, it's but another Bill Simmons theory. He likes the guys for that fu reality. Yeah. Well, it's like Jay Crowder said. He wants to bring out the dog in these guys, which is great to hear. We just need the dog without the bite. You yeah, know what I mean? Like we exactly. just I just don't need the dog to bite people. I need the dog to growl at people and intimidate them and probably put up some points from on the board from three. Like Memphis. <laughs> like my dog Memphis. Yep. For those that don't know, Memphis is a rescue. He's a dog I got a couple years ago. He went through some abuse stuff. So he's a little skittish around around some men. He'll growl at you, but, but at the it. end of the day, He's gonna curl up next to you and he's gonna be cool after he sniffs you after a while. So I need <laughs> Grayson Allen to be the dog with that growls and he's loud and aggressive. I just don't need him to be tripping people.
0: Exactly. And another guy I was super impressed with was Solomon Hill because when he came over to that uh, came over to Memphis in that trade for Chandler Parsons, I mean it was kinda easy to lump him and Plumley in this like, hey, this guy's probably gonna get bought out. Right. And so like you just don't think much of him and you don't you're like, eh, Solomon Hill is kind of a, a boring name. But like he really gets like just put his personality on display. Mm-hmm. He really likes being here. He said the word dope like seven times. <laughs> and he just likes being that old dude around the around the guys. He likes the city. Yeah, he also has family in North Memphis. North North. So I mean, it's one of those things too where like if Solomon Hill's outplaying a guy like Bruno Caboclo, like wouldn't you just keep Solomon Hill, even though Bruno like is young and on a non-guaranteed, a cheap non-guaranteed deal?
1: Right. I would. My personal opinion on that is, it's probably not that of many, most Grizzlies fans, but um, right now, I would rather keep. Hill than Bruno, and it's it's not because I think Hill's a better player, because I don't. I think that Bruno's a better player. I just think that down the road, the Grizzlies are going to come to an impasse with Bruno, and it's going to be, you either overpay me or you have to cut me. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, with Hill, I'm like, that's free cap space, a trade piece, and a veteran in a locker room with a bunch of young guys that could use it. So And that wants to be here. Yeah, and that wants to really be here. And I wasn't super impressed by, by Bruno and FIBA. I'm kind of tired of waiting for him to hit. This is, what, now year six, I think? Five or six. Five yeah. or six. You got, he's he's going to have to come out in training camp and show them something, in my opinion. If he's just what he was last year, next, thank you next, man. I'm going to take the trade piece. I just am. And... I mean we're in the business of assets right now. And if Bruno's not a trade asset, which he very well may be. He may like we we can put he might be a trade a- trade asset at the deadline for somebody. Yes, that is true. I just think that Solomon Hill on an expiring deal and a team knowing that they're not going to have to pay a young guy eventually is a little bit more attractive to teams. Right. I I totally agree with that. So, that was really just all my big takeaways
0: from media day. I great experience loved having getting to cover it for my third year and um, with that I kind of just want to close the show with what are our big like what are our expectations for Jaren and Jaw? like what is a successful season for them to individually
1: individually okay let's start with uh let's start with Jaren because it's a little bit more simple with Jaren so um I talked we talked to Eric about it today on the show, and uh, I've been talking with some other people about it as well. I talked to Jeffrey about it on the show yesterday. Jaron's success is going to be a little bit more linked to stats than I think that Jaws is, but it's not going to be 100% linked to stats. Um, with Jaren, we, we do need to see an improvement in rebounding, and by that I mean I need to see him get one or two more rebounds a game. But I also need to see how he reads the ball off the rim. I need to see his footwork, how he boxes out, how he clears space for his other teammates to get rebounds. A big thing with Marcus Allen and Zach Randolph is that Mark would always just kind of position himself correctly and get the other defenders out of the way or the other people, other people trying to rebound the ball that let Zach eat. If Jaron can do that for Jonas, that's a W. I want to see that improvement i want to see that chemistry being built with the guys down low on the block that he helps them rebound and i do want to see him be aggressive rebounding i want to see every once in a while we need to get a 12 rebound game from jaron this season or even a 10 i need to see a double digit rebounding game at least once i think the thing with jaron that was so tough with
0: his rebounding numbers is for one he was on the perimeter a lot offensively right and even defensively like closing out but also defensively i kind of noticed a lot of times where like off a rebound, they had him sprint all the way down and basically get in the post to just get an easy bucket, like a basically a post up in transition, right? So, like, he never really had those opportunities for rebounding numbers. And honestly, like, like you said, it's not really much of a stat thing, it's more of just like technique.
1: Yeah, I want to see, his that. Te-
0: yeah, just technique improve for the
1: rebounding. But then, I also, but s- are you disappointed if he averages six rebounds a game? No, well, <laughs> all right, maybe let me put it this it, way, d- depending on the context of it. Let me put it this way
0: so. Jonas was probably averaging 10, at right. least. If you, yeah. And then Ja could probably average 3. I mean, Kyle Anderson and Jay Crowder are both good rebounds, rebounders. They should get about 3 or 4. And then Brandon Clark should be getting about 5. So, like...
1: Let me put it this way. If the Grizzlies are struggling with rebounding and Jaron has 6, yes. Yeah. If okay. they are not struggling with rebounding and he has 6, no. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And then... The big, But another big thing I want to see from him is it, it's also very simple. We've got to see him defend without fouling. We need to see that maturity an and IQ one, yeah. come together on the defensive end because if this guy wants to be Kevin Garnett, the baby ticket, as he's been called, he's got to take the reins on defense. I need to see him become a quarterback on defense, very similar to what Marcus Saul was, that this team, especially this young team, they need that rock on the defensive end that they know, hey, he's got my back. He's going to tell me where to go. He's going to tell me about switches coming. He's going to tell me about sets coming. I need to see that level of QB play almost from him. And I also want to see him take guys off the dribble. He talked about how he's been working on that this summer. So let's see if his passing ability can improve at all. Let's see how he takes guys off the dribble, if he can initiate the offense himself. Uh we're expecting to see Ja throw lobs to Jaren. Let's see if Jaren may be able to throw a lob or two to Jaw. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. So it's from Jaren, it's just it's overall a improvement in maturity. I want to see the game continue to slow down from him. Footwork in the post. He's already pretty excellent in the post with his footwork, but we could see some improvement. We could see just some some maturity of moves, I guess, coming along. Um, which would be great. Maybe a post fade. That'd be pretty mm-hmm. yeah. If we could see like a Dirk post fade. But it's just with Jared, I just need to see him make a John Collins-esque jump. He doesn't necessarily need to be an all-star, but we need to see the progression continue from last season. Absolutely. And just kind of piggyback
0: off you saying, like, you want to see him take people off the dribble. Mine, like, so, kind of similar, where I want to see him, like, you know, get the ball off a rebound, which is basically start go ahead and start the offense. Like, right. you push the
1: ball to the Right. Court. Initiate the offense. I, right.
0: That's what, well, like, Giannis does, Ben Simmons does, Pascal Siakam, and Draymond Green. They all get the ball off the glass and they push the ball up the court. And it really just opens up, like, jogging. Like crash towards the goal and he can maybe get one of those lobs or something. Right. Dylan Brooks and Grayson Allen or Marco Gurgic or Jay Crowder, they can just flare out to three. He can maybe hit Jonas like trailing and just hit one of those trailing uh, above the break threes. Right. And then also, a big thing he really harped on in Media Day was unpredictability. Is he, like, granted, he even acknowledged, like, I had moves where, like, I was scoring, but, like, i got to just add more stuff to where it's unpredictable. He needs more tools. And I think one thing that would be huge is that in-between game. And it was kind of tough for him to, you know, have that off-the-dribble mid-range game or even like the post-fadeaway because his shot's weird. But I feel like he's fixed that a a lot this summer where maybe he can add that post-fade or he can just, you know, get the ball from three, pump fake a guy, take one or two dribbles in, and next thing you know, he has a nice little mid-range shot. Like stuff like that would be nice.
1: Yeah, court vision improvement, basically just w- the second level that we know that he possibly has.
0: And then, can he just please hit a dream shake? Ooh.
1: Oh, if he hits a dream shake, I'll I'll pass out from happiness. So, it's and Jaw pretty similar for what I think is a successful season for him. For Jaw, it's not really stats based for me almost at all. I mean, it'd be great if he. I mean, I we all expect him to average like at least 15 points a game and probably get a good number of assists and some rebounds and stuff but he's going to turn the ball over. With Ja, I need him to be to let the game come to him. I want to see Ja play aggressive, but play aggressive at the speed he should be playing. I want him to get used to the to the speed and pace of the NBA. Um I want him to make mistakes early and I want him to be not afraid to make mistakes. Take some risks. See what happens. Play with things. Be aggressive. Uh, try to get your teammates involved. With With Ja, I want to see improvement on the defensive end, especially on the perimeter. I want to see a three point shot improvement, which he talked about from his 2K guy. Really, I want to see not just a three point improvement, but like off the dribble
0: three point shooting. Right. Because that's creating where lot, space. Right. That, that's where a lot of the elite point guards Absolutely. really separate themselves. You know, like, Granted, Russell Westbrook has always been like a top three to five guard or whatever, but like, he's looked at differently because you have guys like Steph Curry, Mm -hmm. Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, and even to an extent Chris Paul, they can create and they can pull up from three, and that's what Trey Young's showing right now. Trey Young is that flashy young point guard because he can get the ball and he can pull up off the dribble from 30 feet. Right. Granted, he doesn't have to pull up from 30 feet, but if John Morant can show, like, maybe he can hit a pull-up three off, like, a Jonas screen or something. Let's be real. Jonas is probably one of the best screen setters in basketball. Right. Just keep the defense honest. Yeah, keep the defense honest because once you add that to your bag, then opens up to lane to where somebody's going to close out and you burst and you're going to dunk on someone and tear the entire form down.
1: Right. And I also, speaking of the three-point shooting, when you mentioned guys like Dame and Steph, one of the things that they are elite at is off-the-ball movement. Yeah, especially, like, coming off curls, coming Mm -hmm. off screens. And again,
0: we have those good screeners. Right. We also had those perimeter playmakers. Right with Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson Jr., even to an extent when he's sharing the floor with like Tyus Jones, mm-hmm. Grayson Allen, Dylan Brooks. like
1: Yeah, because when he was at Murray, he had the ball in his hands almost the whole time. Let's see how he plays without the ball in his hands. That's going to be interesting to see. But I think the main thing Grizzlies fans want to see is just steady improvement. You see the pace kind of coming to him naturally. And I think that we could expect... A tray, not I expect probably a strong word, but we can be hopeful for a Trey Young-esque improvement late in the season. I'm not saying he's going to be dropping 30 points a game or anything like that. I'm saying it was very evident at the end of the season that Trey Young had kind of figured it out. And I think if we see that from Ja and we see his chemistry with his teammates improving on the court... How, and that we see that he's consistently making his teammates better, that's going to be extremely encouraging. His relationship with Jaron on the court, I need them to kind of become, they don't need dialogue. They just kind of need to be able to look at each other and see what happens. Um, I've said it a couple of times, but if they could develop a Mike and Mark-type relationship on the court, that would be really big for the Grizzlies moving forward. So with Jaron, it's just really like make mistakes as a rookie, but improve and develop you mean, your game over time. Jaw, jaw. Ja? Ja, sorry, yes. Yeah.
0: See, I like the Trey Young comparison, but it is.
1: It I mean, is damn different Trey, skill sets. It's also, more situational.
0: But also, what Trey did was almost an anomaly. The dude averaged 25 and 9 after right. the All Star right. break. That's hard. We're not even, expecting that. That's, that's hard even for the elite guys. Yeah. It's so like right now, I have De'Aaron Fox's numbers
1: pulled up. Fox may be a better one. Yeah. He may be a better comparison.
0: You know, like Fox's rookie year was weird because Dave Yeager's weird. But yes. like he really gave the reins to him in, in that year, too. And so, like, maybe if he can combine these two seasons into, like, a pre-All-Star break numbers, post-All-Star break numbers, mm-hmm. so, like, for example, uh, his rookie year, he averaged 11.6. I'm actually going to go with per 36 just to show, like... It's easier, yeah. Easier playing time. So, it was 15 points, 3.6 rebounds, about six assists, but he was also had a th- a three, uh, three turnovers a game, so, like, a less than a 2-to-1 ratio as his turnover. And then he also shot 41% from the field, 30% from three. Mm-hmm. But then that year two, he upped that shooting percentage to 46% from the field, 37% from three. And it was 20 points, eight rebounds, two steals, four rebounds. And then that turnover stayed the same, but the assist turnover ratio went up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we just need to see him develop into the floor general kind of and a two-way player that De'Aaron Fox is that'd be great. Uh Jod he needs to and also get bigger of course, but um like we talked about how we're expecting him to turn the ball over early in the season, but by the end of the season he needs to be efficient. That has we we're going to give these guys a leash this season, but we cannot give them too much of a leash, leash toward the end of it. We have to see improvement from them. We can't just be like, oh, well, maybe year two. Like, we need to see at least some level of improvement throughout the season, and I expect that we will. Right. And I think there will be, because right. it's one of those
0: things we always talk about, I always point to, it's just like the grown-up factor to it, because the, the reason why teams like the Phoenix Suns haven't done well, or the reason why Sacramento and Minnesota, it took them a little bit, is build culture. Well, one, they try to just like basically run a daycare, right? Where it was a bunch of guys under 23, 24 years old. Granted, super enticing, but you need a grown-up in the room to like correct their mistakes, because let's be real, it's different for a coach to do that because a lot of the times these the coaches aren't NBA players,
1: right? I think it is important that the veterans in the locker room have come from winning situations. Jonas came from the Raptors. J- Jaw's been on, or Jay's been on many winning teams. Uh, Kyle Anderson came from the Spurs organization. Like Mm -hmm. we have guys in that locker room that know how to win and know what a winning culture looks like. And and Taylor Jenkins, just the coaching tree he comes from, I think he's going to expect and and require a level of commitment and work from these guys, which I think is great. They have Mm -hmm. to learn early. Hey, this is the NBA now. You're in the big leagues. We got to step up. And even then, like as far as Jaw goes, like having a guy like ties
0: behind him is nice because. Ties is one of the most steady floor generals. For Absolutely, point guards, but he also played with Jeff Teague, who he's he's a, he's been a good point guard.
1: Yeah, he's fallen off recently, but he was when in Atlanta, he was a great point guard. Mm-hmm. And then he's also played with Derrick Rose, mm-hmm. who Dylan Brooks compared Jaw to at media Not Day. surprising. I oh, random. I want Ja to land differently. Is that weird? No, he lands. Very much like early D Rose, and that is frightening. If I could maybe if he can land differently, that's something I want to see too. Yeah, random, but yeah, true. All right, so
0: with that, Connor, plug in your stuff. Where can everybody find you? Where
1: can they find your work? You can find me, um, at C 929 on Twitter, that's where I mainly am for social media. Listen to Giannotto and Jeffrey every single day from two to four CT during weekdays. Coming up with the Grizzlies and the Tigers, we're gonna have a whole bunch of awesome stuff going on. And then, uh, you know, Parker and I, we're going to bring back that Run It Back podcast a little bit later on. It was the NBA offseason. A lot went down, so we'll have a lot to talk about when it comes back. So, uh, yeah, man, that's it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime. You're a regular. Next time I'll have a nickname for you.
0: Please. Yeah, I'll come up with something. Yes. All right. Just
1: not disparaging like you do to Nate.
0: <laughs> True. Um, and so, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Parker underscore Flocka. Follow the podcast on Twitter at the Core 4 Podcasts with the number 4, not the word 4. Follow Grizzly Bear Blues for all its brilliant content at SPN and Grizzlies. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Megaphone, or wherever you're listening to this, make sure you subscribe so you can get the latest episodes of the Core 4 Podcasts, GBB Live, and the 3D Podcasts. And uh, I, I'm i going head out. I hate you. <laughs>